Hey everyone and welcome to Sunday Night's Main Event. We are more than just a weekly radio show. We actually have a whole podcast of shows that come out each and every single day. We have a whole team that reviews shows from Raw, SmackDown, Dynamite, Rampage, New Japan, Impact, Stardom, and everything in between. And you can catch those shows if you are part of our Patreon over at patreon.com slash Radio. The next show is a bit of a different venture for us here at SNME as we take a look at the life and career of Ontario independent wrestler Matthew Grant. He and Uncle Bob B take us on a journey of Matthew's career as he ventures the Ontario independent scene from referee to wrestler. And we get the highs and the lows and special guests and stories. This is very different from us here at SNME, and we're proud to be teaming up with THT, the handshaking team, for this awesome venture. So huge thanks to THT, and if you like what you hear, head on over to patreon.com slash SNME radio, and for just $5 every month, you can get this show and every show that we have on the network straight to your podcast catcher and inbox. That's patreon.com slash SNME radio. So without further ado, let's get to it. The the following program is presented to you by THT, the handshaking team, right here on SNME Radio. Listener discretion is advised. We encourage you to post your thoughts, feedback, critique, anything on social media with the hashtag setting the standard and don't forget to check out any of the other fantastic programs on the snme radio network including smack daddies bam tuesday morning cooked nxt talk all elite weekly and of course the rotating shows aewtf pretty ricky's famous internet show and this one right here setting the standard Welcome, everybody. We're here. I'm Uncle Bobby B, and of course, joined by the standard, the namesake of the podcast. It's Matthew Grant. And we're also joined today by a special guest. It's the grinder. It's Mark Shaw in the house. Mark, thanks for being with us. Thank you very much for having me, guys. It's kind of funny because I'm probably going to bounce back and forth between calling you Andy and Shaw. Like, it's (laughs) definitely going to (laughs) happen. I uh, I kind of expected it at this point. Yeah. (laughs) I appreciate your time, man. Thank you very much. Um, well, thanks for having me, man. So it's it's no secret. It's out there. We're wrestling on the 20th. I'm super excited. It's the five-year anniversary of Pro Wrestling Ontario. Take us through the beginnings of PWO, because that's what we're here to talk about today. We're doing a bit of a 2018 retrospective. I want you to tell me what was going behind the beginning of PWO, because you are no... There's no secret to you doing promoting prior with Fringe yeah. Pro Wrestling, um, and I'm sure you've dabbled in a little bit of other here and there. Um, so uh, give me PWO's beginnings and what exactly went into it. Uh, so, yeah, by the time that um, Fringe Pro Wrestling kind of came to, let's say, uh, a, a catastrophic end by the time, like the beginning <laughs> of 2016, um, it was pretty obvious that there was a lot of issues with how fringe went and how it ended. Uh, like it came down to like Bill Jace and I were just like, we weren't happy with that. We weren't happy the way it all went down, the way it ended. We were like, there's more that we have to give to the wrestling community. 
So it was a bit of a slow burn going into 2018. We had been working on it. We had been working on it. We had had one name that another company may or may not have used. So we ended up going with Pro Wrestling Ontario opposed to Championship Wrestling from Ontario, which uh, we, we I don't know, maybe foolishly announced on the, on your old podcast. Yes. <laughs> Holy shit. Wow. I kind of yeah. forgot about that. <laughs> so that, so that may have, uh, that may have been, I don't know. That might've sealed the fate on that one, but um, it was a lot of excitement because we were trying to run in Burlington and Burlington was always a, a kind of like a dead town. Uh, it had had its own wrestling way back in the day. Um, my first independent show I ever saw was in Burlington actually at oh, the wow. Applebee mall of all places. Um, so it was kind of like, we're, we're going into like, it was a new year. It was a new, like a new city that no one was running with kind of a reputation behind us because of fringe. And there was a lot of people that we initially reached out to who didn't want to work with us because of that association. So it was, uh, it was both a terrifying setup and exciting at the same time too. But yeah, there was a lot. Um, we didn't know if it was going to work, like to be completely honest. Um, we were out there hustling like everywhere, trying to get posters up, selling people tickets. We were trying to get people from Hamilton to come, but they were like, Oh, we don't, you know, we don't, we don't want to go to Burlington to see a show. And, Kind of the same thing when you you run in, in Hamilton, no one from Burlington wants to come over. So it was the same thing, and it was it was trying to hustle tickets to friends, family, every anyone and everyone because we just wanted to make sure that people were going to be there. Because I knew that there was a, a a wrestling community in Burlington, but trying to get that word out to them was exceptionally difficult. So we went into that like that beginning of PWO with like this. I don't know if this is going to work but we're going to go for it anyways. So. Right. Um, it's interesting because the beginning of pro wrestling Ontario, like you said, Burlington, a completely not a dead town, but a town that hadn't seen wrestling in how long. So taking that chance and out of all cities in Ontario to go with that city, it was, it was a big choice. Uh, Bobby, take it away, man. Well, <clears throat> Matt, you were, uh, you were the guy. So why were you that guy, pal? Tell us about that. Why were you the guy at PWO? Uh, yeah, I, I don't think I can answer that. Andy, like, uh, <laughs> what, why what was, was Matt the guy? Why what was, was mentality Matt behind me? Yeah. Um, I wanted to do something very specific storyline wise. I wanted to kind of do um, a veteran who is disgusted with the modern wrestling. And this comes back a little bit. When I started wrestling, there was still a little bit of a mentality. Of course, I started with like Rip Impact and Devin Parkside and, and some other guys who were very small guys. Um, I was one of the biggest guys in my, in my graduating class out of, uh, out of LLW, um, which is saying a lot 
because I'm not exactly the biggest, biggest guy, especially from an era of wrestling where like monsters ruled. So I wanted to kind of come at it from a vein that, um, that I saw. I saw a lot of guys when I started up that were grizzled veterans who just didn't understand that wrestling was evolving and changing. And I wanted to run a storyline that kind of ran in parallel. So I kind of searched, I needed somebody who was, who fit a specific role, but also somebody who understood the business as well. Not just somebody who learned the ins and outs in the ring, but under, also understood that everybody plays a part and they're not going to let that part go to their head. I landed on Matt because I knew I could trust Matt with that. It ended up being me and Matt because I didn't trust anybody else to put Matt over. Because at that point in time, Matt hadn't been working for all that long. So it needed to be me because I'm going to make sure that my storyline works the way that I want it to. And I knew that I had no problem putting Matt in that position. And I had no problem with Matt being that person. And me butting Matt over. I also knew it would be shocking too. Nobody would see that coming with what we announced. And I was hoping that that would create more buzz right off the bat. Absolutely. Well, you, you have Matt who, like you said, now was that that kind of uh, angle? You said somebody who understood the ins and outs of the business that because, you know, Matt did the podcast thing. He had been a referee. Yep. He had done. He knew a little bit about everything. So he was a great fit for that angle you were you were running yeah yeah well yeah and matt like matt understood um i'm trying to word this in a way that doesn't throw anybody under the bus um matt understood that every everything in wrestling ha has a place everyone has a role um everyone has a role to play whether it's a referee or a commentator or the guy that you know the crew that sets up the ring everyone plays a part in a show matt understood that every show he's on he's going to play a different role. Matt knew that when I got him for this specific role, that it was going to be a bit more of a challenge for him, but he never let it go to his head. He definitely had a lot of pride when he, when he took that role on, but he didn't, you know, he wasn't walking around thinking that all of a sudden he was, you know, king of the world. No, that didn't yeah. come until much later. Much later, but he earned that. He earned that later. But at that point in time, I knew I had that trust in Matt that he was going to play that part and hold himself with a certain amount of esteem because it was a new company. It was like a really, a lot of people told me it was a really risky thing to do. And I had God knows how many established guys in the, in the Ontario scene be like, why Matt? Why Matt? I'm like, just shut up. It's going to work. Just give it a couple of years. By the end of it, you won't question why Matt. And I kind of banked on Matt. And I think now looking back, we, we look at like five years later, I think I was right about that. And I feel confident that that decision I made five years ago was the right decision. It's funny because like coming into that, I had just finished being the Youngblood champion. And for those who don't know, the Youngblood championship was literally a championship that was for new people. So yeah. it was one of those things where I maybe had, let's call it 20 matches under my belt, if, you, if we're being generous. Um, so the fact that you 
were willing to give me that opportunity to give me the ball. I wrestled three matches in one fucking night on the first show. Like, <laughs> yeah. And speaking sure of like the iron, the, the iron, the iron cup tournament format, it's a very unique format that I don't really think we see too often. What was the mind process coming up with that? Um, I had semi lifted the idea from one of the best of the best tournaments. They ran a very similar uh, thing. I don't know if it was, I think they did a triple threat and not, um, and not four way, but I wanted a tournament that was, it was going to stand out. Instantly. Um, cause it's already a one night tournament. And when you do a one night tournament, that already kind of like sets you up to a certain standard, but, um, alpha one had been doing one. There have been other companies that had done one night tournaments so we needed something to be just a little bit different to set us apart, but also something that was actually kind of challenging because you go from wrestling a, a fatal four way that technically has no rules. Then you cross over and you face someone that you didn't face in the four way. And then you finally get to, if you make it to the finals, you wrestle for the third time, you're battered, you're beaten. Like the only way to win, you must be made of iron, like the iron cup. Brilliant. I, I I really like the concept. And uh, one more thing before we dive into the shows for 2018, the Burlington Lions Club, uh, that played a pivotal role in PWO's first year. Um, it was the venue for PWO's first year. Talk to us a little bit about building that relationship with the venue and going with that venue in particular. Um, Burlington was always particularly difficult to find places to run. Um, a lot of venues, it's a very conservative uh, city. So you say wrestling and they go, ooh, like, I don't know about that. Um, we found the Lions Club. Uh, I had actually been to like tons of stags and goes there. It was, it's right downtown. So it was a fairly familiar place for me. And I kind of took a shot in the dark with it. I was just like, I don't think they're going to go for it, but I'm going to reach out. Uh, they were very, um, very receptive to the idea. Um once they kind of saw the first show, they were like, oh, these guys are actually putting like a little bit of like work into it. They're like, they're getting people to come. So they, they, they were pretty excited about it. And as the year rolled on, they got a little bit more on board. And then when we did the cage match at the end of the year, they, uh, like we almost kind of, uh, we blew their minds a little bit because they couldn't imagine that their setting looked like that. And had uh, the ring with the cage and all of that. And they just, they couldn't believe that we had packed that many people in there because they never thought that we would get anywhere close to the capacity. And then I think that show and then the show going into 2019, we actually were think technically over capacity. So we did well there. We just outgrew it by the end of 2018, which is not yeah, something that we, yeah, we ever thought we were going to do. It's funny that you bring up like a new venue wanting to see a crazy match because that seems to be the trend with me. <laughs> uh, the You're my crazy the match year, guy. <laughs> the dive into the year really quickly, the iron cup, the unveiling, the very first show, um, my matches on that show were with yourself, Liam worldwide, Shane Sabre in the first round versus BMD in the second round. And then we faced off again in the third round. Uh, the finals for the championship as well as the Iron Cup itself. Um, talk about that first show and then kind of, again, your your mentality going into it. Uh, that was very much, that first show was very much a, like a, a for myself to pull up the bootstraps and, and do the work kind of show. 
because like on top of running the locker room and at that point kind of running the entire show because Travis was very new. That was Travis's like third show ever being like involved in the industry. Nobody knew that he was part of the management team at that point. Uh, Bill is uh, only did so much. Bill was also, I think, doing ring announcing at that point in time too. So Bill was actually, you know, out there the entire time. So I had to put, you know, three matches together, run the show, make sure everyone got paid, you know, and every, and everything else. And it was just, it was a whirlwind of a day. Like I remember it, but bits and pieces kind of like, like, you know what I mean? Like just flashes of it being like, Oh yeah, I remember when this happened. I remember that. I remember like Corey Stone, like kicking me in the face because I didn't realize his legs were that long. I just ran full blast right into his, right into his foot. But like, it it felt successful regardless. I think we had like 68 people there, so it wasn't the best draw. But they left happy and they 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 were responsive to everything we were doing. And they came back the next time. So like to all of that felt successful. It was just it was a whirlwind. Like I like I said, I barely remembered bits and pieces of it because there was just so much that happened that day. Yeah, that is a full plate, and, and and of course, then you had uh, Untouchable against B M G. Tell us this one was special one. to me. Just before Andy dives in, this was a special to me in particular. Um, it was two homegrown HPW guys main eventing a show. I'm pretty sure for the first time. Um, I think so, yeah. So, yeah. So, and Brett's like a super close friend of mine as well. Um, so to have that opportunity with him, and I think we stole the show that night personally, especially as green as we were at that time as well. Um, that powerbomb off the top rope, I see that still, and it's absolutely wild to me. But uh, yeah, no, I, I I was super happy with that match. Yeah, and that was kind of like a little bit of a make or break show. Like in, in a sense is we did the first show. So everybody, like the concept is out there, but like we did a tournament, we... We and then just put on kind of more of a traditional independent wrestling show. So it was kind of like if we don't bring our vision of our brand immediately to the forefront in the show, we're kind of like, you know, effed for lack of a better word. I don't know if we're swearing on this or not, but like we'd be, uh, yeah, 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 we'd be fucked like straight up. Like, so we had to kind of go. I wanted to lean in with a match and matches that I knew I was going to get the best results from because Matt and BMD had a personal relationship with each other. I knew that I was going to get kind of the best out of them because I don't think either of them had really had that platform to perform on. So they brought it, they did everything that we needed them to do. And I think that helped elevate the product almost immediately because it was two guys who were pretty green, but they went out there and and put on the best performance that they could put on for a company that's only in their second show. And I mean, that's credit to you for having the faith in those guys, because a lot of guys are are ready to do something. They just need somebody to give them that shot and, and have a little faith in them, give them a platform to show what they can do. So it's it's I've been to quite a few PWO shows, and it's great to see that they do do that on a regular basis. 
I was just about to say that is literally the MO of PWO in a nutshell is to give young guys opportunities. I see it all the time and you continue to see it in PWO and that warms my heart. Absolutely. I appreciate that. (laughs) Uh, Moving on to the amazing Canadian brawl. So this one was interesting for me and I have a funny story after we dive into the show itself that kind of relates. It was a fatal four way with Jake Jones, Matt Cash and Tyler Hill. So this was essentially a a hardcore match per se. Um, I ended up taking barbed wire in the match. I can't remember exactly what else ended up happening, but the match happens. I'm still refing at the time, keep in mind. So I'm still doing the split duties. I showed up next day at uh, an Alpha One show to ref with gig marks all over my fucking head. And boy, was Julian fucking hot at me, uh, Ethan Page. He was pissed. <laughs> but uh, talk about this match. Talk about putting it together and like putting two very newer guys with two hardcore guys. At least at the time, because I got to give yeah. credit where credit is due. Tyler Hill, man, that dude has blown my mind. Shout out to Tyler Hill. Right. And think of, talk about like five years later, where, where like Tyler Hill is five years later. It's, but, um, I was trying to, again, just going like different, different, but with uh, a sense of familiarity because you had been Young Blood Champion. Death Proof was a company that some fans knew you from. Bringing in a couple guys who were known from that brand with you and then we had kind of kept an eye on jake jones we we wanted to see where we could go with them so i figured let's put him in a match where really nobody is exposed unless they expose themselves uh which i think you guys did a fairly good job of like protecting yourselves you guys it was a whirlwind of a match like and it, like everything was going everywhere but it was more or less like we need matt to have a good defense we need him to have a good defense against guys that maybe he shouldn't be in the ring with. But we want to kind of suspend the disbelief of like, okay, well, like, there's no way Matt Grant's going to walk away from this. But, like, he walks away. How? How did he walk away from it? So I kind of wanted to pick big, bruising guys that would, like, otherwise have just, like, you know, ripped you limb from limb. But they're too busy ripping each other limb from limb while you're kind of in the mix. And it's almost like it was almost. Um, I watched the bat the match back like a couple of weeks ago, and if I remember like correctly, it was almost as if it was kind of like um, a parallel to how people were perceiving you at that time. It's almost like the other three guys in that match weren't paying attention to you. Like you were the champion. To beat you was still you know like they, they could pin the other guys. It didn't matter, but like it was almost like nobody was paying attention to you. And that's why, like, people slept on you in that match, and that's why you won. And it was kind of like it's a parallel to that, right? It's interesting, too, because if I'm not mistaken, that was technically my last actual defense before we went into kind of the rest of the reign, because the next show was Ignite Against You, where we kind of set up the steel cage match. Yeah. Yeah. So you you got, like, that kind of that big last PWO defense. I think you defended it a couple places outside. Um, yeah. So, but like, that was kind of the thing where like, we knew, obviously we knew the entire year where we were going. So we were like, well, let's also kind of test the crowd out to see, like, 
I knew Hill Turned and Cash. Yeah, I knew Hill and Cash would would get some color if, if the they gave, were given the opportunity. So I was like, let's gauge the crowd because if the crowd's really not into that, we may have to like reconsider how we end this year because it's a, there's a strong possibility for that. But if they're into it, it's like, okay, cool. Like we kind of gauge where everything's going. And I think that was kind of a good testing ground for that too. And then, yeah, we have the singles match that ended with us going through a gigantic piece of plywood. Like that thing was huge. Where did you guys even find that thing? <laughs> uh, I literally opened a random door at the, uh, the Lions Club and it was out there. And I was like, I don't know where this belongs to, but I'm using it. Uh, because I searched everywhere for a table and the only tables I could find were like plastic ones and I couldn't find a wooden table anywhere. I don't know how many reuse centers I went to. I don't know how many times I was looking on like Facebook marketplace. They don't make them anymore. Yeah. They, like, doors I now. couldn't find one. So I couldn't, I didn't think of doors. In all honesty, I didn't think doors. So I was like, I literally opened, opened a door at the Lions Club, saw this giant piece of like wood that was like, yeah, bring that inside. We're using that. So, yeah, that's where the door came or the uh, the wood came from. It's hilarious. Uh, so, yeah, we had a draw that led to Locked in the Lions Club, the final show of 2018. Me and you, Steel Cage match. Um, wow. It was a big one for many reasons. Obviously, the Steel Cage match, we packed the place. But for me in particular, it was the it was bringing Empire to Pro Wrestling Ontario. Yep. It was also... If I remember correctly, we didn't even know if uh, we had you and I had discussed the, doing the double turn. We were like, we don't know because you. I remember at uh, the show prior, you were like, I think the crowd's starting to turn on me, and I'm like, I think the crowd's starting to support me. I was like, we might do a double turn, but I don't know if that'll work. And we came up with like we, we had JT come in and, and help you in the cage. I had Goodridge turn on me. And it kind of worked flawlessly, but it could have just been so tragic. It could, it like, really you know what does. I mean? Like, it could have been a train wreck. It could have made that really special moment just terrible. But it was, uh, like, I had never worked in a steel cage before. So that was, on its own, a, um, a really cool experience to share with you. But it was also, we had made it to the end of that year. And this like gutsy little company that just decided to do something just asinide and put like a tiny guy with a belt and just run with him as the champion all year, despite the fact that everyone was like, well, I don't know. I don't know. He's a referee. He's a referee. I'm like, no, trust me, this is going to work. And it worked. Sure. The cage sold a lot of those tickets. But if you remember correctly, once 2019 rolled around, those people were still there. And they were there because of what we had built up. And a lot of that has to do with where we ended that first year at Locked in the Lions Club where we did that cage match. And we kind of showed people, it's like, oh, yeah, there's a narrative to this. There's a style. There's a substance. This isn't just, you know, what you see on TV. This isn't just like the crash and burn indie wrestling that you see elsewhere. It's a little mix of everything. But it is reminiscent of what people loved about wrestling, which it was a narrative and a storyline and characters that go from point A to point B to point C. And we saw that throughout that like first year and it kind of it climaxed at um at Locked in the Lions Club. And it seems like a, sorry Matt, go ahead. 
No, I was just going to say a big shout out to shooting the Indies too. Uh, Jeff got some amazing shots that night. He's been uh, part of PWO pretty much since day one as well. And is always like getting the best content. But uh, Bobby, take over, my man. Well, I was going to say, it seems like a recurring theme we've had here has been gambling. I mean, you, you took a gamble on Matt. Uh, you gambled on the double turn. It could have could have been a disaster. You gambled on the young guys with PWO. You gambled just with PWO itself. So talk about how that's grown from 2018 to today in terms of just the venues, the roster, the production. I know we touched on a lot of it already, uh, mm-hmm. but just just kind of comparison from the fringe to PWO as well. Um, going from fringe to PWO, fringe. I'd say a lot of the booking style was similar, except for I would say I wasn't as gutsy in Fringe as I did with PWO. PWO, I took a lot more chances. But with PWO, I took chances because I had that two years in between promoting one company and another one. And I had spent those two years in locker rooms with a lot of these guys, watching some of these people start to evolve. I felt confident in it, the risk I took. 100% 100% they could have all backfired on me, but I'll say, yeah, it was a gamble, but I'll say they were were educated. educated calculated yeah, risks. Risk. Yeah. Calculated risk, yeah. I kind of had a pretty good feeling that the risk I was going to take was going to work out, but I always had a backup plan to a backup plan to a backup plan in case, but I never really needed them that first year. Um and as we evolved as a production value, like um, Savage Media, as, as Nathan Savage became Savage Media, and then kind of his entire testing ground was, was Pro Wrestling Ontario. And so we kind of got to see as he evolved our production and as, as our production evolved, and he got us out to a whole other set of eyes that wouldn't have seen us before because they're like, look at this stuff. They see all that he could do. It's little things started to catch on. People started to realize, they're like, "Whoa!" Like, there's a, like, you know, there's a point and purpose to everything here. This isn't just, oh, their faces one week heals the next week. Like, who knows what's going on? People started to catch on. Crowds started to grow. Um, the more established talent wanted to be a part of the company, but it was also the young guys who were never getting chances anywhere else saw an avenue that they could work with people that they would almost never have a chance to work with anywhere else. And we kind of got, um, I don't want to say like a better version of them, but they brought out a little bit extra that they probably wouldn't have. And then over time, like those, some of those young guys, like, like Evan Greenaway, like um, Travis Moore, we started to see, better versions of them and those better versions started to bleed into everywhere else. Cause they started to realize, Hey, shit, we're pretty good at this. We can do this. They gain confidence. And I think not all of them, but a lot of them gain confidence in our locker room on our shows because we were putting them in positions with, with, with people that they wouldn't have been put in the positions with. We were putting them on a show with a production that they wouldn't have normally been able to be seen in. And when you elevate the next generation and they become the current generation, it makes the current generation stronger. And that was always the idea behind PWO. PWO was always kind of designed to like, it's, it's about the future, but we have to build the future. And as the future becomes the present, 
we have to look kind of again like it's a it's a like step by step you got you have to look behind you to see you know where you were but you got to keep looking ahead to be like where am i going who are these guys up here let's like you know bring these guys in let's work them let them work with the people that are here now and the people that we've been investing in because the people that we've been investing in they're going to tell these young guys this is what they've done for us. This is what they've been like. They've worked with us and they've done this. They've, we've got to work with these people, you know, stick with it. It's not always going to be rainbows and sunshine, but stick with these guys. Like we're, they're trying to do something different. They're trying to establish, you know, a, a strong base for Ontario wrestling. Which you guys have really done. Like like I said, I've been to quite a few. I've watched some of those names there, like Travis Moore, especially, and pretty tight with Travis. Just watching him grow over the past, you know, two, three years, even over the pandemic, has just been been amazing. And like PWO is a part of that, like you just said, because of the, the opportunities that you give a lot of these guys, which is amazing. And uh, speaking of opportunities, you two are going to have an opportunity to work together again soon, aren't you? Yeah. What's going I'm, on I'm- there? I'm super excited. Just before we dive into that, like I look at my PWO resume and the guys that I've gotten to work with and like it's a who's who of Ontario independent wrestling. You look at Tarek, you look at Shane Sabre, you look at Justin Sane, you look at Kobe Durst. I've got a chance to share the ring with a lot of the top names in Ontario because of Pro Wrestling Ontario. And I, I'm forever grateful for that. So um, going into the five-year anniversary show, January 20th, um, I'm going to let you take on over, Andy, and talk about Give us the rundown of the card. Sell us on this show because people should be checking out Pro Wrestling Ontario. And we're at the freaking Germania Club, one of the best venues in wrestling. Yeah. Great venue. Great venue. Um, so obviously, I think we're going to know what the main event is. Evan Greenaway is going to defend the PWO Openweight Championship against Justin Sane. This is kind of like Zachy clawing back to what I just said. It, it's the now versus like or the or the future versus the now or maybe it's the now versus the past depends on which way you want to look at it but this is kind of almost in a sense it's either justin's rise back up or is it passing the torch i don't know we'll see i think justin's got a lot more in the tank i don't think evan's gonna have like an easy walk through with them but evan just win the iron cup but justin's won the iron cup twice a lot of a lot of interesting parallels there um Jesse Bieber versus uh, Reverso, which I'm pretty excited for. Um, pretty sure there's going to be some extra ramifications to that match. So you'll have to be there live to see that. I'm not, can't give you too much information yet. The, uh, the, the new CEO hasn't given me the, uh, the okay to release that information yet. Um, Vanna Black is going to take on Crystal Moon. Pretty excited about that one. We don't, often have women's matches but we've been getting a lot of requests to have more women's matches so go with the uh oh what was the moniker she used for herself is she the queen of pwo now first lady first lady that's what the first lady of pwo takes on a newcomer uh vanna black so that's pretty uh that's gonna be a pretty fun match um you and i obviously that's uh that's gonna be a retrospective but at the same point in time, we're two very pe- different people. Well, it's five years very ago. Very different. We'll see, uh, we see- literally haven't touched in a singles match since that steel cage match, which is crazy. Yeah, that's right. It's wow. true. We've uh, we've crossed paths once or twice, but it's not, yeah, never, never a singles match. 
it's always been a tag or something else or or sometimes you teaming with me or I'm teaming with you or that never works out very well for either of us. <laughs> no. uh, Disgraceland's going to be on the show as well. Uh, the PWO Trios champions will be on the show. Tarek, Kyle Boone, and Johnny DeLuca. I got to call um, that title change. There you go. Yeah. That's right. Let's not bring that, that was up. At the... <laughs> <laughs> that was at the uh, Worlds Collide show. With, didn't go, uh, it didn't go very well for yeah. you, man. Yeah, yeah, let's not uh, pour salt in the wound here. Let's continue. <laughs> um, also, number one contendership for the PWO Internet Championship between Tyler Hill and Holden Albright, which I think is going to potentially be a show-stealing match. Uh, I don't know yeah. how many times those guys have ever worked each other, but I am super pumped to see that one. That one's I, a guilty pleasure match for me. I love how Albright works at the Germania Club. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> he takes full advantage of the whole facility. As he, but, should. Uh, As he should. Yeah, I don't think people should count Hill out, though. Like, he's kind of much in a sense the same way Matt is kind of like a, a homegrown guy for us. Tyler Hill's kind of a homegrown guy for PWO as well. He kind of evolved and, and, and reestablished himself in. in in our company. And now I think he's kind of as much a benchmark of the company as, as someone like Matt would be, or Justin would be. I'd argue that he was the flag bearer during the pandemic era for PWO. <laughs> he, he hopped right on top of that. He was just kind of like him and Wade. They just put promos up. They were just whatever they could do to kind of keep it going where nobody really knew what was going on at any point in time, like just constantly. Change and I appreciate that. I appreciate that. But yeah, no. And then last but certainly not least, unfortunately, Aiden Prince unable to make the event. Uh, now a triple threat match, though. Um, I'm super excited for this one personally, as again, PWO about giving young guys opportunities. Travis Moore now facing off against Robbie Cosmos and they debuting nice. Van Landon. Yeah. Nice. Super excited for this one. Um, Robbie coming back in is exciting. Robbie's got, I think, uh, a very bright future. Um, Van Land and I, I actually had the pleasure of working with that long ago. Um, impressed me, been keeping an eye on him, saw the opportunity, be like, okay, this is a great place to bring him in. Um, Clay Wilson's also going to be on the show doing something. You'll have to wait and see. Maybe make sure you're there just before the doors open. Or sorry, what just time, before what, the main show starts. What time I, is this show at? Uh, 8 p.m. is going to be first bell, maybe a little bit before 8 p.m. You might see Clay Wilson. Uh, I believe doors are going to open probably 7.15. All right. All nice right. little Friday night show. Come on down to the Germania Club. Yep. Uh, actually falls on the anniversary of the very first event, hence the reason we're running a Friday. and We never run Friday, so that's also a different thing. Friday is... Uh, it's a, it's a gamble. <laughs> it's a bit of a gamble, but apparently that's what I like to do. So, well, your that gambles are paying off. So, you know, <laughs> keep throwing the chips down, man. Uh, Andy, thank you so much for taking the time out today. Uh, the chat about pro wrestling Ontario. I'm sure this isn't going to be the last time we get you on this podcast. But if there's anything that you would like to plug here, uh, take the time to get it out there and uh, yeah, plug your the socials. Oh, yeah, all that. Um, 
You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at, at @grindermarkshaw. Uh, also find PWO on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter, though maybe we put up the links because some of them have different tags and I don't remember all the time. <laughs> uh, if the uh, editor guy does his job right, uh, that'll pop up right now. <laughs> yeah. It'll be there in the description go. below as well. Check out Pro Wrestling Ontario. Check out Grinder Mark Shaw. And uh, Andy, thank you so much for the time, man. Thank you. Thank we you guys very it, much. So there you have it. I hope that you like what you listen to. And just remember, you can get that show and every other show that we produce. If you are a patron and to join, all you would need to do is go to patreon.com slash Radio, And it costs you $5 every single month. We hope to see you there. And just remember, stay tranquilo.